How y'all doing? I know I'm a little loud. I can hear some squeaky squeaks in there. So, but I'm whispering right now. So, ah, just close your eyes. Just take a deep breath. Ah, just let it out. I hope you did your breath prayers this week. Just breathe in. Say, Holy Father, breathe out. Your presence is my reward. Man. Thank you, Jesus. You know that this isn't part of the message. I'm gonna probably shouldn't do it. I should probably just go right to the message. Let's let's get down to business. <laughs> it's quarter after. I was just gonna tell you why that prayer. I developed that prayer. I was I was reading about Moses, the life of Moses, and um, and it was talked about in Numbers, and it said. Um, When God was describing his relationship with Moses, and he said, I talk to Moses face to face as a friend talks to his friend, and not in parables and riddles. And God was just letting us know how special his connection with Moses was. And I know we have that in Jesus now. Every one of us has that capacity. And that, but that scripture gripped my heart. And I was just like God. And, I was, and, and in reading the life of Moses, you really understand that if, you know, at the end of his life, you know, it feels like he was kind of punished for when he struck the rock, the staff. You know, God said, speak to the rock and the water will come forth. But he was ticked at his people as he got, and he's like, you know, and he smashed it. And God still brought the water, and the Lord said, because you didn't speak, and in anger you struck it, you will not go into the promised land. And that can feel like, wow. But when you look at the life of Moses, and you realize that maybe as he's watching them go in, And he has this relationship where, and, and when you read his story, you realize that there was one thing that was actually more important to him than anything. And it was the presence of God. He's like, I'm not going if your presence doesn't go with us. And he set a tent outside of the camp to go be with God and have that presence moment. And I think about, you know, when it, he's watching the Israelites go in and we could all go, wow, what a bummer. You don't get to go in the promised land. But he's like, the presence of God was my promised land. I'm not going for another 40 years. I'm going straight to the Father. I'm actually getting my reward. This is a blessing to me. Instead of looking at it like it's some kind of punishment. So I just, that touched my heart and I just said, God. Holy Father, your presence is my reward. I don't want promised lands and, and things of this earth to be ultimately what I'm living for. And he has so many good things for us. Don't get me wrong. But I just want to, I want his presence to be the thing that I'm so hungry for. Because I'm not always hungry for it. So God, let your presence be here today. Let it be with us, God. It's our reward. Okay, enough of that. Well, you know, every day is special, but today is a very, very special day for us, if you aren't aware. It's one of the most important holidays on our Christian calendar. Today is Pentecost Sunday. This is a very special day for us because this is the day that we celebrate the Holy Spirit being sent to the earth. You know, on this day, about 2,000 years ago, is the official day 
that the church was given its full birth. Which means that we are here today worshiping in this building, gathering together because of something very special that was promised a very long time ago. We owe our entire lives, our entire Christian lives, we owe to the work of the Holy Spirit. Can someone say amen to that? Everything. And so today, I want to talk about Pentecost, and I'm going to talk about the history of Pentecost, because it has a very significant implication, I believe, in our lives. You know, for most of us, our understanding of Pentecost begins in Acts chapter 2. It says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So this is where most of us start. This is where most of us understand what Pentecost is all about. But this actually isn't where the day of Pentecost began. See, Pentecost comes from a Greek word. It's pretty close. Pentecoste. I think you have to put the accent on then. Pentecoste. I think is how you say it. Pentecoste. Opa. Pentecoste, or Pentecost, it simply means 50th. 50th day. And what that stands for, what, the, what this actually, the, the way this term came was that it stood for a festival that was celebrated the 50th day after Passover. Now, in the Old Testament, Pentecost is actually called by a couple of different names. You know, if we were to walk up to um, a modern, you know, modern day Jewish person who, who practices Judaism if we walked up to them and we asked them, we said, hey, what was this weekend? They would say, why, it's Shavuot. 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 And Shavuot means weeks or feast of weeks. And that comes from a reference in Exodus 34, 22, it says, You shall observe the Feast of Weeks, the first fruits of wheat harvest, and the Feast of Ingathering at the year's end. Different thing. We're not talking about that one, but it's in the verse. It's also spoken of in Deuteronomy chapter 16. It says, You shall count seven weeks. Begin to count the seven weeks from the time the sickle is first put to the standing grain. Then you shall keep the Feast of Weeks to the Lord your God with the tribute of a freewill offering from your hand, which you shall give as the Lord your God blesses you. And you shall rejoice. Everyone say rejoice. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God, you and your son and your daughter and your male servant and your female servant, the Levite who is within your towns, the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow who are among you at the place that the Lord your God will choose to make his name dwell there. And you shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt, and you shall be careful to observe these statutes. So this day called Pentecost in the New Testament is called the Feast of Weeks or Shavuot because it occurs seven weeks after Passover. Shavuot, weeks, seven weeks. Feast of Weeks. Now remember, Passover is a holiday that celebrates when God freed the Jews from slavery in Egypt. And we see that Pentecost is called, again, here in Exodus 34 and Deuteronomy 16, 
We hear that it's called the Feast of Weeks, but it's also called something else. It's called the Feast of Harvest. This is another reference, and this is in Exodus 23:16. It says, "You shall keep the Feast of Harvest of the first fruits of your labor, of what you sow in the field." You shall keep the feast of ingathering. There's the mention of that thing at the end of the year again. When you gather from the field the fruit of your labor. So, it's called the feast of harvest because of its relationship to this harvest season that they're in. They start harvesting barley and it ends with the wheat harvest. Now, there's another term in the Bible used to describe this very special day. And it is called the day of first fruits. And this verse is in Numbers. On the day of the first fruits, when you offer a grain offering of new grain to the Lord at your feast of weeks, you shall have a holy convocation, which means a big righteous party. You shall not do any ordinary work. And the reason why it also gets this term, day of firstfruits, is because <clears throat> two loaves of bread were made from the newly ground grain that was just harvested, harvested and it was brought as that God said, you know, he said, bring a free will offering, right? Which means it's not obligatory. You don't have to do this. But when they did do it, they would make two uh, loaves of bread from the grain that they just harvested, and they would bring it before the Lord as an offering. And the priest would take it, and they would wave it before God as an act of worship, saying, God, thank you for this blessed harvest. Thank you, God, that the grain came in. So, Pentecost has three names, three names in the Old Testament. Did I go too far? Oops. Oh my. It keeps going forward. Back me up there, baby. There we go. So, we've got three names for Pentecost. We've got the Feast of Weeks, or Shavuot. We've got the Feast of Harvest. And we've got the Day of First Fruits. Now, the Feast of Weeks was one of three Old Testament pri uh, pilgrimage festivals, which means that people and individuals were to appear before the Lord with gifts and offerings. And this festival was primarily a harvest festival, and it was celebrated at the end of the har bar barley harvest, and which was the, also the beginning of the wheat harvest. And so traditionally, uh, the grain harvest extended from Passover, when the first grain was cut, which is what Deuteronomy 16 said, to Pentecost, 50 days, that marked its conclusion. Now, modern Judaism today, one thing that, they, that, that modern Jews also celebrate, and it's, it's, this has been a very ancient practice, they also celebrate the giving of the law or the giving of the Ten Commandments at Sinai. So on Shavuot, they're not only, it's not just the Feast of Weeks, they're also celebrating when Moses got the Ten Commandments. And this was added about, you know, after 70 A.D. when the, the first temple was destroyed. And so um, the Jewish people added this due to a verse in Exodus um, 19, verse 1, where it talks about um, that the law was given three new moons after they left the Egypt. So they kind of did some math and they decided, you know what, this is also a beautiful time to celebrate that we got the law. So on this day called Pentecost, which means 50th or 50, right? days after Passover, it is a celebration on the Hebrew calendar called Shavuot, and in the Old Testament, it's called the Feast of Weeks, it's called the Feast of Harvest, it's called the Day of First Fruits, and it's the anniversary of Moses uh, getting the Ten Commandments, right? 
This is a big day. A lot of stuff. A lot of stuff that this one day represents. Now, as I mentioned before, this is a pilgrimage festival, which means that all devout Jews, no matter where they live, must come home to Jerusalem to celebrate this festival. And there were three different pilgrimage festivals that they had to participate in through the year. The one was Passover or the Feast of Unleavened Bread. The next was what we're talking about today, the Feast of Weeks, which is Pentecost or Shavuot. And then the, the last one was the Feast of Booths, or uh, sometimes it's referred to as the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, since this was a festival, a pilgrimage festival, all of the Jews had to travel back to Jerusalem to celebrate it. Now, keep in mind that God commanded these festivals way back in the book of Exodus. Okay? And Exodus was written a very long time ago. In fact, there's some discrepancy about exactly when the exact date was that Exodus happened, but it's usually dated somewhere between uh, 1400 B.C. to 1200 B.C., roughly. In other words, a very long time ago. (laughs) Very long time ago. So, when we read here in Acts chapter 2 about this day called Pentecost, it's been roughly about 1,200 years that the Jewish people have been celebrating the Feast of Weeks. Can we even comprehend 1,200 years? America has not even existed for half of that. So, over a 1,000 years of making this pilgrimage back to Jerusalem every year. Three times a year for the other, if you include the others. Just imagine every year packing up the family, having to travel by foot, maybe camel or caravan, right? Possibly hundreds of miles to Jerusalem for a feast that is so old that it's probably meaningless. It's probably meaningless for most. You know, it's, it's just another religious duty. Just one more thing that I got to do to make Yahweh happy. And again, because it's a pilgrimage festival, there were Jewish people from all over the known world that were coming to Jerusalem at this time. We know this because Luke tells us in Acts chapter 2 about it. He says, now they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And then down in verse 9, he goes through all them, Parthians and Medes, Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome. Both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear, hear them talking in our own language, our own tongues, the mighty works of God. Now again, remember this festival is over a thousand years old. and We've got representatives from the nations gathered in here in Jerusalem. Now, over this long period of time of living away from Jerusalem, think about it. We got people from all over, Libya, Egypt, Rome. These devout Jews were possibly more Egyptian than they were Jewish. I mean, imagine hundreds of years living in China, Libya. Might be more Roman than they were Jewish. But yet their lineage was Jewish, which meant they were staying devout to what God had them to do. So, living and growing away from the land of Israel for hundreds of years, they've got all of these different languages, right? According to verse 7 and 8, it talks about that. In fact, it says in 
Verse 6, it says, And the sound came, and the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And now, and how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? So we have multiple nations represented on this very special day called Pentecost for this Feast of Weeks. And as far as everyone is concerned, it's just another boring festival. You might be thinking that right now as I share this history lesson. (laughs) I'm watching some of you sleeping right now. I see it. Oh, 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 okay. Feast of something, great. You can shavot this thing all you want. I don't know. (laughs) I mean, just think about, you know, your kids on this journey, right? You know, I'm sure it's kind of like our kids when we're trying to get them just to get to church in the morning, you know. Oh, why do we have to go? Oh, it's so boring. How long till we get there? You know, who cares? It's just another Sunday. Right? You know? Sure, they were thinking, who cares? It's just another Pentecost. We've been doing this for over a thousand years. What's it matter? How many of us as adults think that way? Oh, who cares? But here's what these travelers this year didn't know. What they didn't know was that this Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 was not going to be just an ordinary Pentecost. This would be a Pentecost that would change the world. Yeah. Now, here's the big picture I want you to listen to. I want us to see this. God, over 1,200 years before this moment in Acts, God established this festival to be a part of the sacred rhythm and routine of his people. God, in his infinite wisdom, and his knowing the beginning from the end, established this sacred routine to get his people to this place on this day so that he can unleash an unprecedented power moment. Do you think that it was by coincidence that God poured out his spirit, his Holy Spirit, on his disciples on one of the three major pilgrimage festivals? Was that a coincidence, do you think? You know, where the entire nation of Israel has come home and gathered. Do you think God went, eh, yeah, feel like it today? You know, I I imagine almost every person traveling to Jerusalem, I I just over a thousand years of doing the same thing, can imagine all these people coming to Jerusalem, this was just another ridiculous religious event. But to God, this was an appointed time that he had married and he was marrying, 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 he was wedding, going to wed, this appointed time with the sacred rhythm of his people. See, God establishes sacred rhythms in our life for our blessing. The problem is, we don't know when those blessings will come. See, God has established moments and days. And now this is the learning part. This is where we're applying all of this. God has established moments and days to be catalytic moments for each and every person. I want to say that again because I don't think you believe me. 
God has established moments and days to be catalytic moments for each and every person. However, many people miss their moment because they don't stay faithful to the sacred rhythms of the Lord. God's sacred rhythms for our life are designed to get us to the right place at the right time. He has dates and times on the calendar that are set appointments for outpourings of blessing for us. Let me give you an example. Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 says, Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no need. Say, until there is no need. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that I will not, um, so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the fields shall not uh, fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. Now listen, tithing is a sacred rhythm and routine. When we faithfully keep showing up and practicing this sacred routine, windows in heaven open up and blessings get poured forth. Now here's the part. Here's the little asterisk. We don't know when. We don't know when. So what do we do? We just obey. And we just keep showing up. We keep showing up. Now, I realize that most of us have heard teaching about this verse. And we believe that this verse is a promise that we'll all be millionaires. (laughs) That's a nervous laugh because some of us are like, I believe that. (laughs) Guess what? The fact is Jesus said that not everyone can handle lots of money. He said it. Not everyone can handle lots of money. So what this verse is teaching is that when we faithfully keep showing up and tithing and then one day the devourer comes to destroy us, God says, guess what's going to happen? I'm going to open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. You know, it's the moment when we got that unexpected bill. Something breaks down and we don't have the money and it looks like the devourer is going to destroy us. And then, boom, God breaks in on that appointed day. He breaks in on that appointed day with a blessing that comes until we have no need. That means the bill gets paid. That means the repair gets done. And we had nothing to do with it except that we stayed Faithful to the sacred rhythm and routine of giving. You know, just think about the Jewish family who didn't go to Jerusalem on this Pentecost. Think about that family. You know, it tells us that after the Holy Spirit came and then Peter, you know, comes out and he preaches his first altar call. He says 3,000 people were baptized that day. How many of the Jewish people who did not choose to come to the Feast of Weeks that year had the opportunity for salvation? None of them. That was an appointed day in a moment. You know, And we think about Jesus' followers. Did Jesus only have 120 followers when he was on the earth? No, not likely. But only 120 obeyed. Only 120 showed up for the divine appointment in the upper room. You know, some may have been thinking how boring it was to keep praying. Day after day, 
maybe they quit. But those who obeyed that sacred rhythm and routine came every day and they prayed and they praised. They met their blessing. They met their moment on the calendar. Let's look at the story of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Acts a little closer. In Acts 1, verse 6 and 7, we see this principle of sacred rhythms and sacred routines being married to a kairos moment, to an appointed time and a season. You see, the, the disciples knew from the Old Testament that God had some breakthrough moments ahead for Israel. They knew that God had promised the restoration of the kingdom of Israel. And so the disciples, they came to Jesus, and when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Because we're looking for that promise to be fulfilled. And he, meaning Jesus, said, it's not for you to know. Let's say that together. It's not for you to know. It's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. You see, the Father has fixed times and seasons by his own authority. And little did the disciples know that Pentecost was going to be one of those times that he had fixed 1,200 years ago. Am I making sense? Are we connecting the dots? You know, I can't tell you, I can't even tell myself exactly when our divine appointments are going to happen. Jesus was telling his disciples, I can't tell you. I can't tell you when your divine appointments are going to happen. Which, is, which means why we have to trust the Lord. You know, we have, back in Luke 24 is where we had to trust him to get to this place in Acts. And then he, meaning Jesus, opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. Behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But here he goes. He's going to say, he's like, here's the routine. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him, and they returned where? To Jerusalem with great joy. And were continually, everyone say continually. In the temple, blessing God. You see, these disciples, they had to trust what Jesus said. They had to go to Jerusalem, and they had to obey what he said. They were following a sacred rhythm of coming together and praying. Now, they didn't know the day that the promise of the Holy Spirit was going to come. Jesus didn't go, hey, 50 days, that's all you got to do, just... Hang on for 50 days. He said, no, he's coming. Go to Jerusalem. And so they kept coming together and they kept praying and they kept praising. Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem. Now, the thing to keep in mind is that they didn't do American kind of waiting, Right? They, they, where we sit on our lazy boy or our couch and we kind of flip through, you know, face puke. I'm waiting for you to do something. I'm waiting, waiting, waiting. No, they did Bible waiting. They did waiting that we see modeled in the Bible. See, they gathered and they kept on gathering. They asked, they sought, they knocked, they prayed. They were looking for God to show up. 
They were looking for this appointment that Jesus said, you've got an appointment on the calendar. It's coming. See, that's Bible waiting. They knew that if they had stayed faithful to God's sacred rhythm and they keep showing up day after day after day after day, they knew I'm going to have my moment. I know it's going to come. But they had no idea, no idea that the sacred routine, the sacred rhythm of Pentecost, this yearly thing that we have to do, they had no idea that it would be a day that heaven would open up and pour out its blessing. They didn't know that the 50th day that uh, they came together would be the day that the Holy Spirit would come and that their lives would change forever. They didn't know what day. They just stayed faithful and they, they stayed devout and they kept practicing the sacred rhythm of praying together. This holy routine that Jesus told them to go do. So here's what I want to say. God has appointments on the calendar for us. He has dates of destiny for us. He, we've got breakthroughs. We've got miracles. We've got divine moments. And they are all on the calendar. Are you faithful to the sacred rhythms and routines of the Lord? Do you keep showing up in the ways God asks us to keep showing up? Or are we bored with what seems like the same old routine? You know, it's just another Sunday morning. It's just another prayer meeting. It's just another day with my family. It's just another day at work. Eh, it's just another morning quiet time. Just another counseling session. Eh, it's just another day at the gym I can skip. You know, so many of us just quit the sacred routines because we're bored. And nothing seems to be happening. I mean, how many times have you said to yourself, I'm going to read my Bible every day? Come on. How many times? And then after three days, you think, eh, nothing's happening. What's the point? You quit. I mean, and you know. And now, guess what? Your moment's lost. Because you won't be showing up for your divine appointment. That was supposed to happen on Wednesday morning during your quiet time. You just quit coming to the appointment. You missed it because you gave up on that sacred routine. You know, so many couples talk about date nights as a priority. You know, God tells them to make it a habit of loving one another, that we should be praying for one another. We try it for a weekend, and then, well, it becomes a burden, and we quit showing up. We stop doing the sacred routine that God has asked us to do in his word. And then we miss out on that breakthrough. You know, most of the moments that are on the calendar that are waiting for us aren't actually great big ones. You know, many of our divine appointments are just daily kisses from heaven. It's the daily rewards on the calendar that come from following sacred routines. It's stuff like peace. Who needs more peace? It's joy. Who, who needs a dose of joy? Right? How about comfort or connection? You know, revelation. How about freedom from anger? Freedom from hatred. How about some freedom from jealousy or envy? Those are things we're all looking for 
every day. When we follow God's sacred daily routines that he asks us to do, we walk in things like divine health, divine provision, favor. You know, all the stuff that that transforms daily stress into daily rest. Is that something we want? To go from stress to rest. So what are some of the routines and the sacred routines that we see in the Word of God? I'm going to give you a list. If you want to snap a picture, feel free. Things like private prayer. Praying with your spouse and your family. Worship. Meditating on God and His Word. Sabbath keeping. Discipleship and spiritual parenting. Fasting's a sacred routine and rhythm. Here's one that I don't think we're very familiar with silence, solitude, rest. We're moving on, snap your pictures. We've also got things like gathering together for fellowship and teaching, communion, and prayer. Sacred rhythm of tithing and offerings and alms to the poor. How about the sacred routine of loving one another? How about forgiving one another? That's a big one we could be practicing. We've talked about abiding in the Father's love. Talked about walking in the Spirit daily. Walking in the light of Jesus. Being full of the Holy Spirit. Praying in our spirit language. These are the sacred rhythms and routines that God has put in place for us so that we can be at the right place at the right time getting that thing that we need from the Lord the most. See, we're celebrating Pentecost Sunday today because some faithful Jews obeyed the sacred rhythm of daily prayer when Jesus told them to wait in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit. They didn't stop until the Holy Spirit came. Again, how many Jews who didn't go to Jerusalem that year missed out on that outpouring of the Holy Spirit? All of them. Following sacred rhythms and routines takes faith and it takes trust in the Lord. You know, this story about outpouring of the Spirit, it reveals that God asks us to participate in his sacred rhythms so that we can be positioned for, and, and show up at that right moment, that right time, that right place that he has planned to meet us. Y'all remember dating? Huh? Hey, I'm going to meet you at the movie theater. Well, what happens when you didn't go? You didn't have a date. It's not that hard to understand the principle of God sets dates for us, and he tells us, here's how I want you to get there. This is how I want you to get there. It takes persistence. It takes persistence for us to push through boredom and familiarity in order to make Meet our divine dates, our divine seasons, our divine times. And listen, everyone in this room has a breakthrough. Everyone has a miracle, an encounter, a blessing waiting for them on a date on a calendar that God has appointed. Do you believe this? We don't know when. We don't know when. And so our sacred rhythms are how God gets us there at the right time. Do you lack peace in your life? It could be that you haven't kept your daily appointment with the Prince of Peace. 
Do you feel sick and tired and weak? Could be that we don't practice the daily routine or the weekly routine of taking care of our temple. You know, our body, that thing that God gave us to house the Holy Spirit. Are you weighed down with sin and darkness? Could be that we're not practicing the sacred rhythm of walking in the light, abiding in the Father's love. You know, I shared last week that when we practice things like abiding in God's love, then we won't rely on these great big dramatic experiences for our spiritual survival. See, we don't have to wait for the next deep encounter because we are living off of the experiences that we have with the Father's love every day. As far as the Jews at that time that were from all the nations in Jerusalem, as as far as they knew on that Pentecost, it was just another Pentecost. Just another Sunday. Just another festival. We cannot let the sin of familiarity and boredom with God's sacred routines steal our blessings. We can't let that steal our divine appointments. So here's what I want us to do this week. I want you to ask yourself some questions. If you want to take a picture, go ahead. Do you trust God's yearly, monthly, weekly, and daily sacred rhythms and routines? And then if you do, how is it apparent? What sacred rhythms and routines have you neglected or considered useless due to boredom or familiarity? What sacred rhythms and routines need to be restored in your life? And then when will you begin? You know, I I just, I want us to just remember that if we think, you know, "Eh, I'll, I'll do what Tom said, I'll try it for a week, maybe a month, heck, even a year. If we think that, you know, after a month of trying it and maybe a year, Nothing happens, and then we quit. I just want to remind us that it took over 1,200 faithful years of celebrating Pentecost before this amazing day happens. I know, that's hard to think about, isn't it? But let me give you another perspective. Sometimes your sacred routines and rhythms are not for you. Sometimes our sacred rhythms and routines are meant to be passed on to our children and our children's children for generation after generation after generation beyond this so that someone in our line can make their divine appointment. Who knows who's got a revivalist in our lineage? We don't. We don't know what a hundred years is going to look like if God doesn't come back. We put stuff into practice, not because I get an immediate gratification and my entitled lifestyle says I got to give it right now. We put this stuff in because there could be generations beyond us that need to meet this appointment, that they need this rhythm put in their lives. Our children need this. So we can't just quit after a month. Eh, I don't feel any better. Tom said if I had an appointment with the Prince of Peace, I'd be better, but I'm not. God says, come and obey. Do what I've asked you to do as a part of the rhythm of your life. It's a part of the routine of, of following God and living in this earth because we have generations that are counting on some of the things that we start doing today. 
We have sons and daughters who have divine appointments. Whether we practice our rhythms and routines could determine whether they get there. So I want to pray for us this morning and if you would all just stand up because today is Pentecost Sunday and this was a, an amazing day where the church was filled with the Holy Spirit and today I just, I f- we just can't miss this opportunity to ask the Lord, we just want to be filled again, right? Ephesians 5.18, Paul said, be full of the Holy Spirit. So if you want to be full of the Holy Spirit, just lift your hands. And I'm going to pray, but I'm encouraging you with your own mouth to just cry out and say, fill me again, Holy Spirit. And so, Father, we pray today, God, we pray, we pray, God, that today you would fill us again, God, that you would fill us with the Holy Spirit. Lord, we know that we leak, and even though we are saved and we fully have our salvation and the Holy Spirit is in us, God, we're asking for a filling. We're asking for you, God, to pour out your spirit on us again on this day, on this Pentecost in 2020, God. I'm asking, Father, right now that you would come and fill us, Lord. If you have a spirit language, just begin to pray in your spirit language. Father, we pray, Father. We fill us, God. We want you, God, to come and fill us, Lord. We want to be filled with your power and your presence, God. Oh, fill us, God. God, we ask that you would forgive us, Lord, for, for walking away from the sacred rhythms and routines that you've placed before us, God, to practice, Lord, so that we can be at those divine moments, those times, those seasons that you have appointed for us, God. Forgive us, Lord. And Lord, we ask now for, for, for power. We ask for power today, God, to fill us. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you would give us the, the ability to see beyond our moment, to see beyond our situation, God. And that we would put into practice these things that would bless generations beyond us, God. Generations beyond us, Father. That we would say yes to the simple routines and the sacred rhythms that you've asked us, God. The holy rhythms, the the set apart, the blessed rhythms and routines that you've said, come see me every day, pray, worship. So we pray, Father, for this filling of your Holy Spirit again. And I just, I really want to just intercede right now for marriages. I just want to pray for marriages. So just agree with me. Just lift up your voice. We just declare a blessing, God, over marriages in this house, God, and in our city, God. We are declaring that what God has brought together, let no man rip apart. In the name of Jesus, God, these covenants were made not just with each other, but they were made with you. They were made with us, God. And so we are holding these marriages to their covenants in the name of Jesus, God. We say, Lord, come and you break in in the hearts of those who, God, are struggling. God, we pray right now for... for, protection God we plead the blood over holy marriages that the enemy wants to come in and destroy 
God, we just break his power in the name of Jesus, God. And we declare what God has brought together, let no one rip apart. And so we just declare a blessing over our marriages. We declare a blessing over, over the men of the house. That they would rise up, God. That they would, would with great courage lead and be humble and follow the lordship of Jesus Christ. God, we speak to the women who would, Father, be, be leaders and, and humble and follow and submit to the lordship of Christ. God, we pray this spirit of humility and brokenness to be upon us. In Jesus' name, God. And we would humble ourselves one to another. So we bless the marriages in this home. We bless the marriages in this house. We bless the marriages in our family. We set them apart and we call them holy God. Fill our marriages with the Holy Spirit, God. Fill them with the Holy Spirit. I just want to just call out, I feel, just a word of knowledge for anybody. If you've got a hip issue, problem, whatever, just something going on in your hips, just put your hand on your hip. We're just going to release healing to you right now. In the name of Jesus, God, every hip in this house be restored in Jesus' name. Let healing come to every hip, every joint in the back and the waist, God, down the derriere to the legs, Father, wherever that pain is going, Lord, we just speak life to it right now. God, let fire come, Lord. Just let fire come and now touch those joints. Now check your hip and see if you feel any better. If you feel like you've got some relief, just raise your hand. See yours and yours and yours. Yep. Who's 100%? You feel like I got 100%? Okay. All right, let's pray again. Put your hands back on your hips. God, whatever, if it was 25%, we're going for 50 to 75 to 100, God. Let's just keep going, Lord Jesus. We pray for healing of hips right now in the name of Jesus. We ask for, for blood vessels and blood uh, circulation to restore, God, flexibility, God. We curse osteoporosis, God. We, we curse arthritis in the name of Jesus, God. We just old age, we forget you in Jesus' name. We just don't even care. You, God said we would leap and dance with joy. So we just speak that ability back into our hips. Into our joints, God, in the name of Jesus. Healing, God. Healing power right now in the name of Jesus. We release it, God. If you got more relief, raise your hand. Okay. All right, we're going to pray one more time. We're going to get finished with this. In Jesus' name. All right, everybody, join with me. Come on. In Jesus' name, hips be healed in the name of Jesus. Pain go in Jesus' name. Back pain around the waist go in Jesus' name. We're commanding you to go. And in the mighty name of Jesus, be healed. Hips be healed in your waist. 
God, in the name of Jesus, we speak life to the bones and the socket and the joint. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. And just if you got any healing, just thank him. Just praise him. Thank you, God, for relief, God. I can just stand up. Thank you for that, God, in Jesus' name. Thank you, God, that I can just, I feel 25% better. I feel 50% better. I feel 75% better. Whatever, God, we thank you. We praise you. We praise you. We praise you, God. We love you, and we give you praise. Yes, come on. Give him some praise. Tell him you love him. Tell him, thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for healing. Thank you for deliverance. Thank you, Father. You are so good and so faithful. You have sent us the Holy Spirit, and he is with us forever. So thank you, God. We love you. We praise you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated.